I'm going to fail and look stupid if I even try this. My life has no purpose. There's no hope for me. No one is ever going to fall in love with me. I will never be in a career that I enjoy. Everyone else is such a better leader and pastor than I am. I'm never going to have any self-confidence. This is just the way I am and the way I will always be. Well, good evening. It has been a while since I've been here. My name's Adam. I've uh, been a pastor at Crossroads for about 11 years. And uh, not only welcome to Crossroads, but welcome to the inside of my brain. Because those are the many thoughts that have been bouncing around up here uh, for as early as I can remember having thoughts. Um, those are the types of things I've been thinking about. And <laughs> this series we're going to start this morning, uh, this evening, is very personal to me because um, these, these thoughts that I have had in my head for all these years have um, led to some pretty uh, undesirable feelings like despair, hopelessness, uh, fear, a lot of fear, doubt in God. Um, these thoughts that gave me these feelings led to some of these actions like giving up on myself or beating myself up. And it's, they also led to like these inactions, not asking anybody for help um, and no longer fighting for my freedom that in many ways, these thoughts that led to these feelings led to just me giving up hope. Uh, truth be told, I have spent much of my life losing the war that is being waged in my mind. Um, I feel like I've lived out this, this powerful principle that we're going to keep coming back to over and over again for the next few weeks. Um, I have been bumping up against this principle for a very long time, and before I read it, I just want to let you know that you too are living out and experiencing the power of this principle for either good or for bad, and, and, and here it is. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, and maybe even hearing that, you're thinking, no, I think my decisions that I make lead to the direction that my life heads in. And, and I would say, well, kind of. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I thought um, my emotions kind of lead me into whatever direction I head in. And I would say, well, kind of, sort of. But here's kind of how your brain works and my brain works. It goes like this. Your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings give you your actions, and then your actions lead to your results. And if you're anything like me, you spend a lot of time on the actions, working on that. What can I stop doing? What do I need to start doing? I need to start working out. I need to stop saying these words. I need to stop looking at this. I need to start doing that. And we can spend most of our time dealing with actions or the results or how do I not feel this anymore? How do I not feel this anymore? How do I get rid of this feeling not realizing that there's a thought driving that feeling? 
And that feeling is leading to your inaction or your action, and then it's leading to your results. So we spend a lot of time, money, energy, and effort on this spectrum, not close enough to the thought part. Here's how it worked in my life. This is a thought that I have struggled with. Um, I'm 45, probably at least 40 of these <laughs> years of my life. This is a thought I've, I've struggled with. I'm going to fail, and I'm going to look stupid. This on a subconscious level, or sometimes on a conscious level, is always rattling around in my head. I'm going to fail, and I'm going to look stupid. That's the thought. And then that thought leads me often to this feeling, fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. So you know what action or inaction this often has led to in my life? Not trying anything. Avoidance. I don't want to feel or look stupid, so my action will be no action. I won't try it. Because if I don't try it, then I can't fail at it. And then that leads to results, of course, which aren't very good. Results that I don't like. And this has been my life since I can remember having thoughts. So this has led to me, uh, as a kid, not going out for sports, even though I'm very athletic and very good at sports and love, love sports. I wouldn't try out because I knew I would fail and look stupid. When I got a job, my first job working at a restaurant, I never tried to move up in anything. It was like, I'm doing this. I know I can do that. I'll just keep doing that because if I try to advance and do something else, I'm going to be too stupid to do it and I'll fail at it and I don't want that. And then we recently, last year, when I bought a house uh, for the first time and I have to now do my own house projects, there was a lot of avoidance in me because if I try doing something that I don't know how to do, I'm going to feel and look stupid. So let's just somehow delay fitting that into my schedule. So that's what this has looked like for me. That's what's been rattling around in my head for a very long time. And here's the interesting thing. My life's circumstances weren't doing this to me. My thoughts were. And as hard and as painful and as real as some of your circumstances are, they are not doing harm to you as much as your thoughts about your circumstances are doing to you. That's where the real pain and the real damage is inflicted. So for the next few weeks, we're just going to keep coming back to this principle that your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts, not your decisions, not your actions, but what you are thinking about. In the ancient uh, wisdom book we call Proverbs, it's in the Old Testament, a wise man said these words, I think they're pretty profound. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Think about that. For as he thinks, so he is. It doesn't mean that he factually is that. It's that he thinks he's that, so it might as well be fact to him or to her. So as you think, so it is. I can relate to living out that verse. And I'm like you. I've had people go, well, Adam, you're not stupid. But it didn't matter as much what they thought. It mattered what Adam thought about Adam. And Adam didn't think too highly of himself. So we're going to keep coming back to the series that all, our, all of our thoughts are powerful. 
Our thoughts are powerful. They're so powerful they can put your life on a path for your betterment or for your detriment. That our thoughts and not necessarily the facts shape our perceptions about just about everything. And our thoughts are numerous. I don't know if you know this, but I've been reading a lot of books on the brain. And uh, a lot of research shows that we have about 30,000 thoughts a day. Think about that. 30,000. I am not aware of all 30,000 thoughts that I'm having in a day. It's just happening. And one study showed that in upwards of 70% of these thoughts can be negative in somebody's mind. So think about that. I am not smart enough in math I know, to know what that, how that breaks down, but 70% of 30,000. I don't know what that is, but it's a lot. So think about that. Think about what you're thinking about and what I'm thinking about. Uh, Here's another thing I'm discovering about how my brain works, and I wonder if your brain does the same thing to you. My thoughts come to me as if they're all facts, even though often many of my thoughts are fiction. They're simply not true. But when my thoughts come to me, they come to me as if they are 100% true. So maybe you've had a thought like this before. I'm all alone. There's no hope for me. Uh, My marriage can never get any better. Um, God could never forgive me for that. When you think those thoughts, you think that's actually true. All of that is fiction. It's not true. But it's presented to us as if it is. And this can explain why some of you have went to your teenager, your kid, your spouse, your best friend... And you tried to speak life into them. You tried to speak encouragement into them, and they rejected it or deflected it. They they just didn't receive your compliments because how they think and feel about themselves is much truer for them than how you think and feel about them. And maybe you've even bumped up against this. You've even tried to speak to someone about how God views them. And you've said, this is how God sees you. And there was a rejection or deflection like, I don't know if that's true. Because there was something in them that said to them, nope, that's not true. That's true for somebody else, but it's not true for you. And aren't you frustrated when that happens? I mean, you're like, no, no, this is true. Trust me, I'm the one telling you the truth. I know that's not how you feel or not how you think about yourself, but your thoughts about you aren't always true. And one of the reasons why we don't always embrace what's true is because we're daily being lied to. I don't know that we have a daily awareness that it's happening, but we're daily being lied to. If you're alive, you're being lied to. If you have kids, they're being lied to. If you're married, your spouse is being lied to. If you have friends, all your friends are being lied lied to. This is what is happening up here. And that's why for the next four weeks, we're going to do this series called Winning the War in Your Mind. There is a war being waged in your mind and my mind, and this war has been waged from the very beginning. You can open up the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve. Everything's great. Everything is as it should be. And an enemy comes into the scene and he starts whispering to Adam and Eve, 
did God really say that? Did God really say that? I don't know that he said that. He begins to question. He begins to question. No, I don't. I think you should question God. I think God is holding out on you. He's holding something back from you. So from the very beginning, our enemy was lying to that Adam, and he's lying to this Adam, and he's lying to you. So the question becomes, how do we win this war? What are our weapons, and where is the battle? So there's a few things we all have to be reminded of, and this could be this really could be new news for some of you. If it is, this could just be a real beginning of, of life change for you. That's what I'm praying for. But to win the war in our mind, we first must recognize that we're in a battle. Every day, we're in a battle. And the battle is waged here, in our minds. I am not always daily aware that I'm in a battle until sometimes it's too late and I'm losing. <laughs> And I'm like, dang, what is wrong with you? What is going on? What am I feeling? What are these thoughts that I'm having? And by then, it's like, oh, my gosh. I'm fighting with someone I shouldn't even be fighting with because my battle isn't even with them. It's internally. It's something going on with me that just spilled out onto them. So we have to remember we're in a battle, and the battle is in our minds, and we have an enemy. And if you're anything like me, you not only have an enemy, you are your worst enemy. Can anybody relate to that? Like, you literally are your worst enemy. You're not nice to you. You're not good to you. You don't like you or parts of you. You're meaner to yourself than anybody else could ever be. I can relate to that. So we have an enemy, and here's how Jesus, our Savior, who had an enemy as well, here's how he described your enemy and my enemy as recorded by his disciple John. Here's what John said about our enemy. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's talking about the in the beginning, the Genesis. He's like, he's been a murderer since then. He's the hater of truth. He hates truth. There is not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it's perfectly normal, for he is the father of lies, that when our enemy speaks, he speaks lies. You talked about uh, Connor we have a heavenly father that we celebrate on Father's Day. We have a heavenly father and we have a father of lies. And often I have listened to and believed more what the father of lies has said than what my heavenly father says. In fact, when I got into some, a really big stronghold of anxiety, I, it was a bondage that just kind of came out of nowhere, and I wasn't sure why it happened, because I'd never had any, not even a second of it in my entire life, and this is, this is probably seven years ago now. My journey to freedom, a part of that piece was realizing that I believed a lot more of what the father of lies had to say about me than what my heavenly father had to say about me. That I would reject what my heavenly father thinks about me because I didn't think about myself in that way. But when my enemy lied to me and he'd say things, yeah, you're kind of a failure, you're kind of stupid, you're kind of, yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, I can believe that. I actually had to repent of believing the father of lies over my heavenly father. And as a father myself of two young kids, 
who when I speak life into my kids and I see them deflect it or reject it because I can see inside there's something in them that doesn't believe what I'm saying is true about them, it breaks my heart. I'm like, no, this is what's true. Trust me, I'm your father. I love you. This is true about you. But I can see there's something else happening inside of them. So I can only imagine how much my heavenly father is like, Adam, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't, don't listen to the liar. Everything he says is a lie. So that's how Jesus describes our enemy. So we have to become more aware of what's happening up here. We have to be more cognizant of what's happening here and not just solely focus on everything going on out there in the external, but what's happening internally. Some of you right now, there's a war being waged. And I know this because if you're not free, your enemy doesn't want you to be free. And all through this message, you are going to be getting lied to. That is likely happening to some of you right now. The, the lies that the enemy's been telling you, maybe your whole life, you're hearing right now. Because that's, that's what he does. That's who he is. So don't let him distract you from what God wants to say to you tonight that can begin you on a path to freedom. Because the life we have will be a reflection of the thoughts we think. The life we have will be a reflection of the thoughts we think. So we have to be mindful of what's on our minds. We have to think about what we're thinking about. So what do you think about? What lies do you believe about you? And some of these may be so deeply embedded, you don't even know that they're lies because you see them as truth. What's the battle sound like in your mind? And I just want to give you a few examples and see if you find yourself. Nobody can relate to what I'm going through. That's a lie from the father of lies because he wants you to feel like you're all alone. That's a lie. What about this? I'm not attractive or I'm not attractive or I don't have value because I'm overweight. That your beauty is somehow connected to the number on the scale. What about this one? I'm always going to be this way. That's a classic lie from our enemy because it just removes us of all hope. There's no hope for change because I'm just always going to be this way. Uh, God is far from me. Now look, I have felt many times in my life that God is far from me and it has never once been true because <laughs> that's just my feelings. It's not fact, but I don't always live in the facts. I live in my thoughts that lead to these feelings like God's far from me. That's fiction. He's not far from you. If you're the worst sinner in this room, he's not far from you. In fact, the reason why God sent his son to earth was to get close to sinners, not further from them. What about this? God has given up on me. Maybe you think that because others in your life and your family have given up on you. You think maybe God has too. It's not true. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm going to mess this whole parenting thing up. I can't be forgiven for this thing that I've done. That's a lie. You think, well, yeah, God's grace, he has forgiveness. Yeah, but, but this, I don't, I don't know. 
Maybe some of you, you get caught in the comparison trap and you're always thinking about where someone else is at compared to you and you feel down about you. Maybe you get stuck in that in your thoughts, just constantly comparing jobs, cars, boyfriends, girlfriends, where you think you should be in any age or stage of life compared to where someone else is at in your age and stage of life. You can compare your looks, clothes, sense of humor, teeth, whatever. We'll compare ourselves to anybody about everything, and then we feel bad about ourselves. Maybe that's where you're stuck. So what do we do when we become trapped by these thoughts? And if your thoughts can be anything like mine, they just begin to spiral sometimes. Or sometimes my thoughts are like a soundtrack playing in the background that I don't even know is being played. They're just thoughts I've been thinking for so long, I'm not even aware of them. So what do we do when we aren't aware of them? What do we do when we're spiraling? Well, luckily, God has not left us alone in this mess. And he inspired people by his Holy Spirit, people like Paul the Apostle, to write things down that could be a great help to you. And I pray, and I pray, and I pray, that God will use his word to change you and to change me. So let's hop into 2 Corinthians, a letter Paul wrote to some Christians. This is so good. He says, for though we live in the world, he's going, okay, we all live in this world. We all know how tough it is. We do not wage wage war as the world does. So everybody, you know, they're under uh, occupied Rome with soldiers everywhere. They understood how war was waged. War was waged with spears and swords and shields and horses and chariots. He goes, we don't wage war as the world does. It's like, oh, okay. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. It's like, oh, we have a different weapon. Okay, Paul, what's that? We'll get into that in just a second in another letter Paul wrote. It says, on the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds. This is such an important word. But first, Paul's reminding you and reminding me that our battle is not fought in the physical. It's fought in the spiritual realm. Okay? And then Paul is suggesting... And we do have a sword, it's just not the kind you're thinking of. It's a different kind of sword. And then he says, you know what this sword is used for? To demolish strongholds. So I want to talk about this word strongholds because this is a big thing. Strongholds are the lies we are told or the lies that we tell ourselves that we believe are true. These form strongholds in our minds, okay? So strongholds are, are, are false thoughts and false perceptions that contradict the true nature of God and our identity in Christ. And the thoughts that we aren't aware of and the thoughts that we believe long enough become strongholds. So I was trying to find a visual that Paul probably had in mind. And so I want to show you a picture of a stronghold. So this is a literal stronghold. No photo? Okay, so everyone do this because we've all seen these. Picture a castle, castle walls. That's a stronghold. This is a military term that Paul is using in this letter. So just picture a castle fortified to keep everything out. So this is how a stronghold works in your mind and in my mind. (laughs) But it works in reverse. The strongholds in your mind, they don't keep the enemy out. They keep the truth out. So picture castle walls. Nothing can penetrate. So someone goes, hey, I just want to let you know who you are in Christ. 
just bounces right off that stronghold. Let me tell you how valuable you are. It bounces off of that stronghold that's in your mind. Let me tell you how beautiful you are. Nope, I don't receive that. Let me tell you how talented and awesome you are. Nope, as soon as someone tries to compliment, you play it down. Nope, 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 no. I don't receive that. I don't receive that. I don't receive that. You have a wall, a stronghold that keeps truth from penetrating. You ever seen some of these castles? They have these little tiny windows. You know how dark and scary these castles are on the inside? Light does not get in it. That's how it can be in our hearts and in our minds. That the light of God's word is trying to penetrate either through a friend or through his spirit or through his word, and it can't gain access because of these strongholds. And if these strongholds aren't demolished, do you know what happens? Over time, we just reinforce them through more life experience. We just re-fortify these walls. We make them stronger. Another lie comes in, we just go and add another brick to the wall. It gets higher and thicker and wider and bigger. So in another letter Paul wrote, he comes back to this idea of weapons. And so I want to read this to you. This is a letter he wrote to a group of Christians living in Ephesus. And here's what he said. And you will need the helmet of salvation. And you will need... The sword of the Spirit. So let me just say it to you. And you will need, and you will need, and you will need, and I will need, and you will need, and you'll need the sword of the Spirit. You're going to need the sword of the Spirit. So Paul, who was in Roman jails a lot and often had Roman soldiers all around him in full gear with shields and swords and helmets and everything to protect themselves for battle, is looking, he's going, huh, this is an interesting visual. And he looks at a Roman soldier with a sword and he goes, ah, that's the word of God. That's the Christian's weapon. It's our only weapon. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And that is why pastors, people like me and communicators and youth pastors are always saying to you, read God's Word. Not because you have to, or God will be upset if you don't, because it's your sword, it's your weapon. You have no other weapon than that. So please read it. Please study it. Please meditate on it. Please take it in regularly. It's for your safety. It's for your protection. It's for your defense against the lies and deceits and tricks and schemes of the enemy. If you read Matthew 4 and Luke 4, it's the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. I can't share the whole story, but he's being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights by our enemy, our shared enemy, Satan. You know what Jesus does every time the enemy lies to him? Because the enemy even quotes scripture. If you read it, it's a crazy story. Satan reads the Bible to Jesus to try to tempt him and trick him. And every time the enemy attacks Jesus, Jesus pulls out the sword of the spirit and quotes Deuteronomy three times. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. Jesus pulls out the sword of the spirit. Here's what's interesting about this encounter. It doesn't show that Jesus ever stopped to pray. And I'm not saying when you're under attack, you shouldn't pray. But isn't it interesting when Jesus was under fierce attack all alone for 40 days, the Bible records no prayers. It just records him going, sword, word of God. That's what I fight with. And isn't this cool? Jesus had obviously studied those verses and memorized them. It wasn't like, hey, one second, let me go find a scroll somewhere and unravel it. Like, he had it here. Like, he had a few verses memorized that he could just pull out and be like, that ain't true. Here's the truth. 
And he won. He was victorious in those encounters. So let's go back to Corinthians and this strongholds thing. Paul's writing and he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I love this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive. Do this with me. Take your hand and like you're grabbing something. We take it captive. You take it captive. You take every thought captive. You're like, well, how do I do that? Especially if I have 30,000 of them. It takes time and practice and work to take a thought captive. Literally taking out, do you have the next photo or no, it's not up there either? Yes. Yep. Okay, here's, the, here's what worked for me. I don't know if this will work for you. It's almost like a thought comes in and you're like, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's not good. And you're like handcuffing and go and leading it away. Like, no, that ain't true. No, I don't receive that. No, that's a lie. No, that's wrong. I'm not receiving that. I don't embrace that as truth. You're literally like leading something into captivity away. And I love that. So he says, take every thought captive. And I love that, that Paul understood it wasn't just self-help. It wasn't just, oh, just stop, uh, you know, work out more, or do this, which are, those are all great things to do. Paul knew what drove our actions, and it wasn't our feelings. Paul understood that our thoughts drive our feelings, and then our feelings lead to our actions, and then our actions lead to our results. So Paul's wanting all of us to work further back in the equation, because that's where the freedom is found, when we can begin to take the thought, you're stupid and you're a failure, and go, wait a minute. I grabbed that. Let me look at that. Let me examine that. How does that match up with the word of God? How does that match up with what God thinks and feels about me? And if you could actually do it, you bring it into the light and you expose it for what it is, which is just a lie for my enemy who hates me. We have to take time to think about what we're thinking about. We have to increase our awareness of what's happening between our ears. And we have to take thoughts captive. And if it's a lie, we have to pull out the sword of the Spirit and replace it with the truth. My life uh, is changing, and I'm super excited. I'm in this season for the past year where I've just been reading a lot of books about how God has designed our, our brains to work. You know, no better person to go to about how our brains work than the guy that, the God that created brains, right? So I've been reading books uh, uh, on how the brain works and uh, read a, read a, reading uh, just books for the last year all about that, all about thoughts, all about lies. And uh, I'm super excited because along with that, I've been meditating a lot more on God's word and his truth. I've been sitting in silence more and just reflecting on what's happening up here. Uh, when I have a feeling, whether it's anger or something, I try to stop and go, okay, instead of just trying to like muscle my, my way through and not feel angry, stop being angry, stop being angry, stop being angry, I'm now starting to go and ask, what am I thinking about that is making me so angry? What am I thinking about that's making me so anxious? So I haven't, I'm not doing this perfectly, but I'm figuring it out. I'm super excited because for most of my life, I've been losing the war that's been waged in my mind. 
and I'm tired of losing. I've been getting some life coaching as well, and it has everything to do with your thoughts. And it's so crazy. Uh, the simple things that are making dramatic change in my life. I remember talking, uh, she's a friend of mine and happens to be my life coach as well. Um, but we meet every week and she asks me what's, what I want to talk about. And uh, so we've done a number of different things. But one of the things I said was like, I don't, I, there's very few areas in my life where I have self-confidence. I just, just don't have self-confidence. And she goes, well, you know, you can get more of that, right? And I was like, can you? She's like, yeah. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. That was <laughs> what may be a duh to you was like, like otherworldly earth shattering for me. I was like, really? I've just went so long without it. You just do life without it. You just figure out a way to do life with these thoughts you have in your head, right? And then it just becomes who you are. Then you don't even really think about it anymore. It's just who I am. It's who I am and who I will always be. And then I added some religious spin to it. And I was like, and I had said these things to her. I said, yeah, but I don't want to get prideful. I don't want to like not trust in God. Maybe God wants me to not have self-confidence so that I'll trust in him more and be more humble. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, okay. She goes, Adam, you know you can have self-esteem and be humble, right? <laughs> I'm like, can you? She's like, yeah, you can. This was an entirely brand new idea for me that I literally had never entertained. Because I had had a conversation a few decades prior where I remember in this conversation thinking to myself, this is from God, this is how he wants me to be, and this is how he'll keep me humble. Father of lies, sounding a lot like my heavenly father to a point I believed it was from my heavenly father. And so this new door and this new possibility has opened for her. She's like, Adam, you, <laughs> she'll just tell me straight up. She goes, Adam, you're not very nice to you. She goes, when you have friends in your life, because I've been with you and they mess up, do you reject them? I was like, well, no. Like, do you make fun of them? I'm like, no. You think they're stupid? I'm like, no. Do you like stop having anything to do with them? I'm like, no. She goes, but Adam, that's what you do to you. Like, you call yourself stupid. You reject yourself. You're not there for you. You don't treat you like you treat others. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm mean to me. I think all kinds of things about myself that I don't think about other people. So I'm excited because I feel like for the first time in a long time, the sword's coming out more. And I'm feeling ready to fight more. And the thought of... Uh, some bricks in the stronghold being pulled out. I'm excited about that. Because you know, it's like Jenga. You start just taking a few key ones out. And eventually, the whole thing comes down. And that is exciting. And that is something I've not entertained 
as a possibility for a very long time. So when I was a young adult, and I'm so thankful you guys have a young adults ministry and it's happening after this service. So thankful when I was a young adult, I, the thought that primarily played in my head at that time was, you have no future and you have no hope. You know, as a young adult, you're supposed to kind of know what your future is and have hope for it. I had neither. I didn't think I'd ever get married. I'd ever have been in a career that I enjoyed. I didn't think there was any hope for me. And I remember going to young adults because I'd stopped going to church and I'd come back and I'm sitting at young adults and a girl named Amy Goosen read a verse out loud. And here's what she read from Jeremiah 29, 11. She said, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I remember sitting next to Amy going, wait a minute, I've never heard that verse. What? There's a God that has a future and hope for me? Because I don't have that for me. She's like, yeah, God has this for you. I was like, I'm taking that sword. I'm putting that in the sheath. I'm going to pull that one out when the enemy comes to me and says, Adam, you have no future, no hope. I'm like, oh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that he has for me. Plans for future and for hope. I remember uh, feeling stuck. You ever feel stuck in something? You're like, I just can't get past this. I keep coming around the same mountain over and over and over and over and over again. And you can, become, uh, be, uh, you can begin to despair that that thing could ever change. And I remember reading Philippians 1.6 that says this, be confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I was like, wait a minute. He who began a good work, not me, he who's begun a good work in me will see it to completion. That, that was like, oh, I need that sword. I need to carry that one with me. So I memorized that one. I memorized Jeremiah 29, 11, that I could pull those out when the enemy says, hey, you're always gonna be this way. I'm like, hey, Philippians 1, 6, I don't think so. He's gonna see me to completion. When I was uh, really struggling with anxiety and I didn't know why, I, be, I realized... Um, God, it was, it's so weird how it all came about. I literally didn't know how much fear I had about death. And not just dying, but how I was going to die. I didn't realize that that soundtrack was playing in the background all the time. I didn't even realize that when I would get in a car that I would be thinking about, what if I die right while I'm driving? Like Those are the kinds of the, the songs that were playing in the background of my mind, not even on a conscious level most of the time. I was so afraid of death. I was so afraid of how I was going to die. I even, as a four-square pastor, disciple of Jesus, all of that, even began to question whether I would go to heaven when I died because I was listening to the father of lies, and I was starting to believe that is truth. So just a couple months ago, God shared with me this thought about death, and it's changing me. It's not a Bible verse. It's just the thought that came into my mind. Death is but a door, a pathway to ultimate freedom and the end of all suffering. Because I would look at death and be like, oh, my God, the worst thing ever. And he's like, son, death is a door. You will never be freer until the moment you die. The end of all suffering awaits you in that moment. You don't need to fear that moment no matter when it happens or how it happens. 
And so like I'm putting that in the sheath now. That's one of my swords. Like I'm taking that one with me. When I start to fear it or a thought comes into my head, I'm like, death is a door. I just memorize it. I say it. I repeat it. I replace the lie with the truth. Because the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. So what are you thinking about? And what are you believing that's not true? And I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this or not because it, especially for you that, um, you know, maybe don't know me as well, I, it's not fair for me to ask this of you, really, but I'll ask it. But is there anybody here that you, you're aware of the stronghold, the lie, and, uh, and it wouldn't be too uncovering for you to share with us what it is. This is the lie I struggle with. It can be three words. It can be a sentence. But I want this, I do this because, one, it brings things into light. Two, I, I just, we all want this place to be the safest place in the world where we could practice being transparent. I will say this. Don't share anything that you'd feel like, you know what, I don't know that it would be appropriate or it might uncover someone else in the room or whatever, whatever, whatever. Use your discretion. But is there someone here you'd be like, I know a stronghold, I know a lie that, I, that I'm believing and buying into and you'd be willing to say what that is. Just raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, it's yours. Huh. Good things are for everybody else but you. Yeah, that sounds like the father of lies right? Like there's something wrong with you and everyone else is more loved by God or whatever it may be. Thank you. Has that been one you've thought a long time? So is that a stronghold? Yeah. Yeah, we want to see those bricks come down, right? Yeah, because that's a lie from hell. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Anybody else want to share? Yeah. The world would be better off without you in it. Well, that sounds like that dirty liar, right? Saying stuff like that to God's kids. None of that's true. This guy drove from Arkansas just to see you be dunked in that thing right there. <laughs> You're worth it. Yeah, that's a lie, right? That's not true. You got to... We got to go, God, give me, a, give me a sword that I can use to demolish that stronghold because there's not one bit of that that's true about anybody in this room. Yeah. Is there one more? Anybody? Yeah. Never be good enough. Yeah, that's a common one. I feel like that's probably in like his top 10 of like things he likes to lie to people about. I'm just not, never going to be good enough, never going to measure up, never going to know enough never be talented enough, never be smart enough, whatever it may be. Um, thank you guys for just practicing this um, with one another. And, 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 and for those of you, I'm sure all of us can think of what, what a stronghold is in your life. Um, write it down. What are these thoughts? What are these lies that you're believing is true? You may need to go to a friend for help because it may be so deeply embedded, you don't even recognize it as being untrue. You may have to write it down and go to a trusted friend who's wise and loves God and loves you and go, here's what I'm thinking. Does this, <laughs> I'm, 
I mean, thank God my friend didn't make fun of me. And I was like, can you have self-esteem and love God? <laughs> you know, and she just loved me. He's like, you know, Adam, yeah, you can. I'm like, oh, okay. Someone like that, that could just go, Adam, yes, you can. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. <laughs> thank you for letting me talk to you about that. Take that thought captive. Capture it. Write it down. If you got to share it with someone, like this, this is, what, this is my stronghold. Let them pray with you, pray over you. And would you begin to ask God to give you a truth to replace the lie? So every time, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, he fires a fiery arrow at you, you have a sword to defend yourself and fight for your freedom. So uh, this last principle is you cannot combat what you do not confront. You cannot combat what you don't confront. This is going to take some work taking our thoughts captive, thinking about what we're thinking about. So what I want to encourage you to do is practice. This isn't something you do like today and then pick it back up six months from now. I mean, you can do that, but if you really want to see strongholds start to come down, this actually has to become more part of like our daily life is just reflecting on what's going up in our head and thinking about what we're thinking about. So. Um, in just a minute, we'll have our prayer teams come up. But I have a couple books, uh, same name as the series we're doing, Winning the War in Your Mind. It's a fantastic book um, by Craig Rochelle. And uh, I want to I give these away. And um, have, have you read this book? Have you read it? Okay, so I'm going to, sorry, Connor, you're out. You guys, you guys practiced some transparency. I didn't have a third one. Do you guys get to do that? And uh, you can pay it forward when you get done reading it. You can share it with a friend, um, pass it along to someone in your life who may need that too. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. You can buy it. I'd encourage you to buy it. It's pretty powerful. And um, I want to invite our prayer teams up to join me up here. And I want to invite you back for the next few weeks as we keep talking about this idea. And I want you just to begin to take your thoughts captive. You may walk out of the door tonight and your thoughts begin to spiral again. You're like, oh my gosh, this again, write it down. Take the thought captive. Take it to the word of God. Take it to a trusted friend. Let them pray over you and with you. And I'd love to do that with you now. Would you mind standing with me? I want to thank you for being here. Please come back next week. Lord, you, you love us so much. You're our heavenly father. For anybody here, Lord Jesus, who does not walk with you, who is not a follower of you, Jesus, may today be the, the day they decide to choose to walk with you. Lord, would you just draw all of us to you? For those that maybe uh, have strayed from you, would you draw them back with your love? And those of you that are committed to walking with you but are limping along because of these strongholds, Lord, would you show us how to skip and be free? Would you begin to tear down strongholds brick by brick in our life by speaking truth over us? Just picture strongholds being torn down, just literally ripped down all around us. Lord Jesus, by faith, we just agree that strongholds are being torn down. Speak truth, flood our minds and hearts with it, Lord. And may we wield the sword of the Spirit. May you. Continue to set us free. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.
Amen.